This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. Hi, I'm Jason Klein from Fix It 101. If you ever thought about changing the doorknob or fixing a leaky faucet, some jobs just aren't that difficult, and yes, you can do it. If you want to find out how to do those things, listen to Fix It 101, podcast everywhere. Good morning to you. Welcome into Everyday Tech on MPB Think Radio. I'm your host, Jay White, and I'm here today with Jeremy Thompson, the Hattiesburg Computer Doctor, Wilts Cotrere, who is an IT director with Rankin County, an IT instructor with Holmes Community College, is out today. We would love to hear from you today. Jeremy can help you fix it. Wills can help you keep it safe. And uh, if you have any questions about any of your tech, any problems, issues, questions, or if you're looking forward to something or maybe you're thinking about buying something and you want to discuss it, just talk it out in front of some other folks who love to buy tech stuff too. You can email us, everydaytech at mpbonline.com. Dot org. Jeremy, good morning. How's it going? Hey, good morning, Jay. It's been going pretty good. Had a uh, pretty busy week. Sent a lot of email issues and doing my usual old drive to new drive upgrades. Mm. Uh, it seems like you've been doing uh, um, in the off season, I guess, while, while uh, well, I was going to say while school is not in, but it's still in for a little bit uh, here. But I guess during the summer, are you doing more uh, like drive and, and, and visit fo- like house calls to some certain extent or visiting people where their computers are dead in their offices or whatever? Or, or are you still doing a lot of work in the in the office there? Uh, it's a lot of both, actually. Um, usually during the day, I will do house calls and pickups. Uh, right now, everything on campus is by appointment only. I just don't have enough of me to go around. So uh, generally... During this time, if I don't have any appointments on campus, uh, then I'll just take care of uh, people in Hattiesburg or the surrounding areas, go and do house calls and whatnot. And then when I come home at night, um, uh, usually in my home office, I will work on everything else that I can you know, bring home with me and sit there and fiddle with until midnight or whenever I get done. Yeah, yeah. Interesting stuff to uh, to dig into. Um, the... Uh, uh, the CEO of YouTube stepped down. There's a new one that has been named. Uh, and it's an interesting time uh, for a change at uh, the CEO of YouTube, which is one of, uh, if not Google's biggest brand outside of the name Google itself. Uh, in thinking of what a new CEO for YouTube will be inheriting, you talk about the, the YouTube music service, the, the former uh, Google Music Play. Then, of course, you've got the YouTube TV, which... Uh, has I don't know if it's the leader, but it's one of the main uh, players in the the streaming wars these days. That's well, you know what's left of it. If if you still want a uh, an all in one uh, type of fix as opposed to stringing together several different streaming services, and I wonder uh, what most of our listeners are are doing in that regard these days. If they do just pick one, or do they uh, string several together? Um, one of our hosts of uh, Money Talks the other day was talking about how uh, they, you know, uh, her and her husband just went on a uh, a spree of checking what all they had signed up for. Um, uh, they had not taken inventory, um, really, of all the streaming services that they were paying for since the end of COVID, I believe is how she said it. And so they they, they went on a, a cutting spree, uh, taking inventory of that. Have you had to do that at any point, uh, Jeremy? Like, if you've been like, wait a minute, I've signed up for like nine of these things and I watched like two so let me back out of some of this. Oh, absolutely. Um, I know I've to, had to do that. 
we try to subscribe to uh, Paramount Plus around this time because this is when uh, one of the shows that we watch this comes on there. But like we don't we don't keep it. But if we do, sometimes forget about it. Like I was on the TV the other day and we were watching uh, the new Chucky series that came out last year, I think. And I was like, when did we get Peacock? I <laughs> I don't remember getting Peacock. <laughs> Then that's how it works too, and you can like yeah, yeah. Paramount because uh, I, I I and the thing is like I I bought something oh I can't remember what it is now of course but I, I bought something recently that had a subscription of Paramount oh it was Walmart Plus I subscribed to Walmart Plus I think I got wrangled into that anyway it has a plus it has a Paramount Plus subscription that's tied into it uh, so. I suppose I, I should tell my wife at some point that I've done both of those things uh, for us. Maybe it might be categorized as so, for for us. I think one of the ways that these things creep in and we uh, don't realize that we're subscribed to them is uh, Paramount Plus, for example. That one uh, most recently, it told me, hey, you can sign up for six months for free. And then after six months, it'll just be four ninety nine a month with ads. And I was like, oh, OK. Sure. Sounds completely doable. I might cancel that in six months and I might keep it for five bucks a month. Um, but yeah, I think I think after a while we just kind of forget about it because they have like these introductory offers where it's either free or it's just a few bucks. And we're like, yeah, no big deal. And then all of a sudden they start turning the heat up on you and the prices. and You're like, wait a minute. Absolutely. I don't need Peacock anymore. <laughs> right. Well, if I could backtrack and go all the way back to my original point before I uh, rabbit trailed seven ways from Sunday, YouTube is uh, they've switched CEOs and it is interesting in this this time of of breakout stardom for AI tools and the fact that Google kind of got beat to the punch in this one with the um, with their AI, but they're going to you know, they're going to push hard and try to make that ground up. And for a new CEO to take over YouTube at the same time that Google is rolling out new AI features, that could be something very interesting. There are a couple of things that their new CEOs talked about uh, that he wants to do initially. And some of them are as simple as, you know, if you buy the NFL Sunday ticket or, you know, if you, if you subscribe to one of the sports packages that they have, that you'll be able to watch multiple games simultaneously. I don't know how much of a big upgrade that is. Maybe some uh, some UI redesign involved in that. But for sports fans, that's got to be something fun anyway. All right. Got a question about VPN to start us this morning. And Brandon is Carolyn. Carolyn, good morning. Good morning. Go right ahead. What's going Um, on? I have a Nord VPN. And when I travel, I take my iPad and, of course, my iPhone. And my question is, if I'm in a hotel or uh, I have done this frequently in overseas um if i'm logged into reading my email or something like that is all the other information on my ipad protected um so if you're asking if you're connected to like a public network through your vpn is the data on your ipad protected correct so Let's talk about what a VPN is. That's a virtual private network, and this is what people use to connect to uh, a secure spot on the Internet to encrypt all the traffic between you and whatever you happen to be doing at the hotel, reading your email and whatnot. So it protects your web traffic, but it does not protect your local storage on your iPad. 
luckily, uh, the engineers at Apple are pretty good at doing that themselves. So it's uh, very unlikely that if you were connected to public Wi-Fi that someone is going to be able to tamper with your iPad. Note, I did not say impossible. I just said very okay. unlikely because okay. um, everything is coded by humans and in those codes there are errors that hackers will find and they will exploit those errors and until those are patched there is nothing that you can do to protect your iPad. However, like I said, the engineers at Apple are pretty good at staying on top of those types of things so when an exploit is discovered in the wild they usually try to patch it pretty quickly. So if your question is, is my iPad secure while I'm on public Wi-Fi? The answer is yes, mostly. But your VPN doesn't have a lot to do with protecting your local storage. That's just encrypting the traffic on the Internet. Okay. Okay. If I have not opened any banking information or anything like that, uh, are, is that secure or not? Do I have to have opened let's say, my bank account to pay a bill in order for it to be at risk, or even if it is not opened, are they still at a very minor risk? Very minor risk. Okay. All right. Thank you so much. You've answered my question. I appreciate it. All right, Carolyn. And that's a great question. That's a very practical question that is uh, complicated, but at the same time seems very simple, at least in terms of its answer. So... I'll tell you this much, Jay. I don't I don't check my own financial stuff. I don't do anything with financial apps, American Express, any banks that I have, anything like that, unless I'm on a secure Wi-Fi connection, because I'm just well, I'm 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 a paranoid person, and I know very consciously about the exploits in software, and so I would rather just not tempt fate. Um, it's mostly safe. Those connections are supposed to be encrypted, but you know, it's it's not a bad idea to go that extra step and secure your connection with a VPN or a, a home connection that's uh, not an open public Wi-Fi. So you said that you don't look at any financial, any of your personal financial information unless you know you're on a secure connection. How for for the average person who doesn't necessarily think about that, but heard what you said and said, I want that, too. How do you? How do you know? What's a simple way to make sure you're on a secure connection? Uh, well, uh, basically, if you're at home, your connection should be mostly secure because it's only allowing the people in your home on your network, unless your neighbor's got your Wi-Fi password. <laughs> um, but if you are out in public and you are connected to your uh, your network connection through your wireless provider, um, that connection should be secure. But you kind of have to understand that there's there's a lot that goes into that infrastructure, and there are ways that that information can be obtained. So a VPN will encrypt that traffic so that it is less likely for someone to snoop on your information. Now, all your financial stuff is supposed to be secure, supposed to be, but we do read about um, different uh algorithms that are cracked and uh, things that uh, we can no longer use to protect our data, which is why our passwords have gotten so complicated because that's what most of our data is protected by is a weak password. So what can you do 
to protect yourself? What can you do to protect your bank account? Well, if you have an online bank account, you should already have two-factor authentication set up. That should be something that is basically forced on you by your bank. And with good reason, because if you log in on a different device that it does not have a um, uh, prior authentication on, then it will require that code in order for you to do anything. Now, I don't, I don't like uh, memorizing the codes. I, do, I don't like uh, checking the box that says, uh, don't ask me this anymore, because I like the level of security that it's required for me to make financial transactions. So every time I log into uh, my accounts, I am prompted to, or every time I process a transaction, I have to put in a code in order to verify that, yes, this is mm. absolutely me. That way, if somebody were to steal my phone, even though it's locked, let's say somehow they got around the lock screen, they would try to go and buy something on PayPal and they would be greeted by a screen that says, you know, enter your six digit code and they would not be able to get the code. So that's safer. So all of your accounts should be protected by two factor authentication. And I recommend authentication apps for your phone, not having them send you the code through text message. And there's a couple of reasons for that. Number one, sometimes the codes are not instant and it can be very frustrating when you need to get into an account and you can't get the stupid code. So <laughs> if you have an authenticator app, then you just open the app on your phone and the code pops up right there. So that's uh, more convenient in my opinion. It also protects you from someone uh, stealing your number or uh, cloning your SIM card. Because then if they have a SIM card or they have your number, then they can get access to all your codes. But if you don't have them sent to your phone number, then that's another way that you can protect yourself from having something like that happen to you. Now, again, these things are extremely uncommon, but they do happen to people. So I can't sit here and act like we live in a perfect world where everything is perfectly secure. It's most definitely not. Right, right, absolutely. This is Everyday Tech on MPB Think Radio with Jeremy MJ. Thanks so much for listening. Jeremy, do you have a question for me? Did you want to ask on the air or off the air? Did I get that wrong? On the air. Definitely on the air, okay. yeah, uh, because this will be funny. All right. Um, so you uh, you know that the, uh, the previous CEO of YouTube, uh, her name was Susan. Uh-huh. How do you think you say her last name? Jay? All right. Well, it's W-O-J-C-I-C-K-I. I'm thinking that's Wojciki. Yeah, Wojciki. Something like that. Yeah. You know how wrong we are? How? It's Wojciki. Okay. Well, I mean, I yeah, I figured it's, you know. How do you get that? The Polish names are easy to destroy because they don't look anything like they sound, ultimately. No disrespect to anyone Polish, but I, I am... My brain is cutting cartwheels here. I got no I, I would have never been able to pronounce that. Right, absolutely. And I and I actually had her Wikipedia page open since before the show. So when you asked me, you sent me a text message that said, I've got a question to ask you on air. And I was like, Okay, what? And you were like, the YouTube previously uh, the previous YouTube CEO's last name. And I was like, Oh, I've been looking at that for twenty minutes and I think I've got it. <laughs> and of course, it even had a pronunciate uh, a pronouncer right behind it, and I still didn't get it right. I didn't even look at that. I don't need that kind of help, sir. I'll just pronounce it the way I see it. All right, Mr. Wojcicki. Right, <laughs> Mr. Galawicki. You know she gets that all the time. <laughs> yep, yep. Galakowitz, exactly. All right, let's go to Bill in Memphis, Tennessee. Bill, thanks for calling. Good morning, and thanks for hanging on for us. What's going on? 
good morning. I, I want to mention that Click and Clack used to say that we should ship vowels to Eastern Europe. <laughs> that's right. Click and Clack. Oh, that's great. Car talk, man. Missed that show. I know a whole bunch of people do. That's a great reference. Yeah. What's going on this morning, man? I have a computer with an HDMI tube, or cable, I should say, attached to my Hitachi TV. Almost always, it, I if, if I choose to watch, to do the, to get the computer on the screen as opposed to uh, regular television, I end up having to unplug my HDMI from my computer mm. and replugging it back in in order to get, in order to have my computer uh, displayed on the screen. What, is there something wrong with my cable? I can't figure out what I can do so I wouldn't have to keep plugging it, plugging in the HDMI in and out um, in order to be able to see what's on my computer on my TV screen. So you have to unplug it and plug it back in repeatedly or just once? Well, pretty No, no, no. Usually... Like every time I, you go to use it for it to come in, you've got to unplug it and plug it back yet. in, right? Like if, yeah. The like first time, blank, yeah. But, you know, so so yeah, it was plugged in or, and you were, yeah. you were doing something on the TV and you could see the computer, then you walk away... You come back ten minutes later, and you gotta plug it no, back in. I I don't want to answer for yeah. him, but I I've had situations like this before. I want to say it's like, okay, if if you switched sources back to something else, like if you say you switch your sources back to your TV, the next time you want to use your computer on your TV, when you switch back to that computer, it's not going to pick up your computer unless you unplug the HDMI and plug it back in. Right. I've that, dealt with that situation before. <laughs> Well, I would think it would be some kind of a power management thing in Windows, possibly. I know it'll do that with network cards, but I don't see any settings like that for a graphics card. doesn't mean that they're not there. Uh, One thing you might want to check is your uh, power scheme, Uh, your different uh, power options. You've got uh, your different power plans in your computer. Um, This this is a laptop, so you should be able to just, like, uh, click on your battery and then go to power options or power plans. I'm on my and battery. It says, yeah, um, it, well, it, it, this is Windows 11. It says that I'm connected to my Netgear, and it doesn't say anything about Bluetooth, but obviously I'm connected to HDMI, but I don't see anything about power here. Um, you don't see a little battery icon that'll let you click on it there? Yeah, it does. When I clicked on the battery icon at the bottom right of my screen, mm-hmm. it displays like a window pops up, which, uh, as I said, shows my Netgear and my Bluetooth. There's right. A, there's a rotation okay. lock that's grayed out. Okay. So let's, uh, let's, um, what we got to do is, is get you to the old system. school control panel to see this power plan. Um, I don't have Windows 11 in front of me, so I, I really can't remember how it is that we go about getting there. Uh, so pretty much uh, what you need to do is uh, look down on your keyboard where they find the Windows key. It's right there between Control and Alt. I'm there. And All right. Just hit that. Hold the Windows key the one- and press R for Run. Windows and then... And then R. Oh. And you'll see the Run window pop up in the bottom left-hand corner. I do. I type the word control, like a remote control. Okay. I control and press enter, and this should bring up the old school Windows control panel. 
Yes. Well, right. All right. Third option down says hardware and sound. I'm with you. All right. Click on that and then go to power options. I don't see that yet. It should have a little battery icon next to it. Of course, I'm in Windows 10 looking at it, so. Um, yeah. Um, I see system, network, internet, personalization, apps, account, time and language, accessibility. Um, you don't see hardware and sound? No. It may be settings, uh, then system, and then power and battery. How about that in Windows 11? It may say power and battery. And then under that, there may be another option that's like screen and sleep or something like that. I, I found it. My mistake. Oh, you're good. Power. Okay. So what you need to do is look at the power plan that you've got there. It's probably on a power saver or a balanced plan. It's balanced. Yeah. Okay. So then you can look at your balance settings and see like when it's putting the display to sleep and when it's putting the computer to sleep and so forth. You might want to try adjusting those different settings to see okay. if one of these uh, will me, uh, help your problem. It gives me the choice of best power efficiency, balanced, or best performance. Mm -hmm. So then so, over on the uh, on the right-hand side, you can see where it says change plan settings. You can click on that. And then when you click on that, there should be a change advanced power settings. I, I would fiddle with the display and the computer sleep time. And then uh, under the advanced settings, there are multimedia settings, which you can adjust. There's one that says prevent idling to sleep. That sounds like it okay. right there. Yeah. That's what I think it is. But I don't, I'm not there. I'm not where, where you're, right now I'm at system, power, and battery. And mm -hmm. I don't so uh, under, under power options where you saw like the balance plan and all that, over to the yep. right, there should be a thing that says change plan settings. Do you see that? No. Hmm. I hate Windows that's 11. That's I'm just going to go ahead and say <laughs> well, that. Like, this has been I, this way since I, Windows 95, man. Don't well, change don't a good thing, Microsoft. I, you know, I'm sure it's the um, Programmer Full Employment Act, but for whatever reason, they they do change, and typically it's not a helpful change. I'm going to um, run grab my tablet on the next break and see if I can't uh, crack this one for you. Uh, but, yeah, I uh, there should be a thing that says change plan settings, and then there's advanced power settings. That's where I believe your issue lies. Now, at the very top, there's a, a, loud, well, don't, there's a view detailed info. I don't know if that would help. Um, no, there's no option to to do anything other than change from balanced to uh, different performances. I just love it. That's why I'm not using <laughs> Windows 11 on my home computer. I just, I well, just so many things have changed. Well, um, we're going to come back to this one. There you go. Okay, Grab well, my, uh, my Surface that's got Windows 11 on it and see if I can't get the right uh, instructions here. Okay. All right, Bill. Stay tuned. Keep listening. And we're going to keep digging down on that. But that's a great question, Bill. And I'm sure a lot of people have dealt that dealt with that before. Like I was saying, I've dealt with that before where, you know, if you if you've got, you know, a laptop or something plugged into a TV and then you, you're done using that, you switch off of it and you use it as just a TV again. And then the next time you want to try to, 
you know, go back to your computer and all of a sudden it can't connect to it or it won't connect to it, even though you haven't unplugged anything and all everything is the same as it was before. Then all of a sudden, because it put it to sleep, now all of a sudden it can't recognize that it was ever there to begin with. And so to change that, you have to unplug it from one side or the other and plug it back in. That's frustrating, but I've been there before. Thanks, Bill, for that call. Uh, Jeremy, before we get back into it, we had another question. That's I don't think it's uh, uh, a super difficult one, but stuff that people deal with a lot. And it's a question about when you buy a new computer and the first thing you do is you get like, uh, let's just say McAfee or antivirus pop-up stuff, like bloatware essentially, and you can't get away from this stuff. And no matter how many times you've said no or you've X'd it out, it still wants you to know you've got this this potential protection on your computer for heaven's sake. How do you get around that or away from that or delete it or get it off your computer? How do you get around this bloatware? So uh, this is so, so common, especially if you buy a computer from a big box store. Uh, most of them cram whatever they can on there. It's how they're able to charge bottom rate prices for these laptops. Cause Ooh, that's a good point. That. That's a good point. I don't, I don't, I don't look at it so uh, rudely now. Yeah. Well, it's, I mean, it, it's just what happens. I mean, you know, we, we, we take something like a computer and then we go, hmm, how can we monetize it further? Oh, ads. That'll work great. Okay. All right. So we'll pop up ads on the internet. No, let's not just pop up ads on the internet. Let's pop them right up on their computers. Uh, let's just install them on the computers from the factory. Hey, that's a great idea. Nobody knew what Kobo was, but it was on every computer in 1998. Does anybody remember that? Kobo? <laughs> I don't remember that, but I had a computer in 98. It was it was it was probably on your computer. I remember looking at it, going, "Kobo, what is Kobo?" Okay. Anyways, your question was, "How do you get rid of this stuff?" So, um, like I told Bill, uh, Windows 11 especially has hid a lot of this stuff. So you can't just get to your traditional control panel like you used to. You have to do that fancy Windows key and R, and then type Control to actually bring it up. Well, when you do. Uh, there should be a section that says programs and you can click on uninstall program and then you can nuke it for sure from there. Now in windows 11, uh, you deal with mostly the app integration. Um, so if you pull up your start menu, you'll see all kinds of different apps that are installed, but that's not all the programs that are on your computer. That's just the apps and apps are different than programs. This isn't confusing at all, right? No. So, like, uh, for example, uh, you have Spotify on most of your Windows machines now. Um, that is an app. That is not the program. So you can remove that from that interface there. However, something like McAfee is not an app. It is a program. So it has to be removed through the control panel, uh, through the add, remove, or uninstall, or change a program uh, dialog box under programs and features. Uh, speaking of the control panel, back on the power issue, it looks exactly the same on my tablet. So I'm a little confused about why Bill couldn't find it. I don't know if maybe his newer version of Windows 11 that I'm definitely not going to be updating this tablet to <laughs> doesn't show it. But I will say that the changes that have started to come about in Windows 11 are drastic. I mean, I was pretty surprised when I couldn't even get to the control panel through regular windows interface like it's not there you can't find it you have to either bring up the file explorer and type control panel or you got to bring up windows key to r and type control 
That's the only way to get to it. So these things are shrinking away. I wonder what uh, consumer research they had that told them that was a good idea. Because I don't know that that told them the right story. I think maybe they got sold a bill of goods in that research. I think (laughs) that because Microsoft fell flat on their face when we had smartphones, um, they have been trying to make sure that the integration with Windows is seamless enough that if they do try to release some new type of Microsoft phone, which I don't see that happening, but they don't want to have a non-mobile interface anymore. So Windows 8 came out, and you may remember the start menu on it was like crazy different than any other computer, any other Windows computer. Right. Because in the past, you know, Windows XP, Windows 7, you would hit the start menu and it would pop up in the bottom left-hand corner. And that was all familiar and we all liked it. And then with Windows 8, they released this interface called Metro. And Metro was supposed to be more app-friendly, more touchscreen-friendly, more mobile. More like the brand-new Windows phone at the time, huh? Exactly, exactly. And so that that was the thing is like before the iPhone, there was Windows Mobile. And it was a horrible operating system. And if you used it, my heart goes out to you because you know how terrible and inefficient it was. And then the iPhone came along and just made Microsoft look foolish. And so they were like, okay, well, we can't have that again. We got to we gotta make sure that our operating system is mobile friendly. So that's why you see all these apps and these, you know, touch-friendly icons and big interface and all that. And all this other stuff is, is gradually eroding away. All right, let's go to the phones. We've had some uh, calls back up on us here all of a sudden. Let's go first to Charles, who's in Gaucher. Charles, thanks for calling. Good morning. What's going on? Oh, hang on. We've got uh, Frank on the air. I'm sorry, Frank. What's going on, Frank? How you doing? I am well, except I have a problem with my Android that's driving me nuts. All right. I can't type. I cannot type in any letters, like sending a uh, message, uh, sending an email. Type in a, a website. Like your it's keyboard doesn't my, come up, or it does come up, and you can't touch any. It does not come letters up. on it. it? Does, keyboard does not come up. So, um, how old is this phone? What type of Android is it? Oh, is it a Motorola? Is it a Samsung? Oh, it's a Samsung. It's a Samsung. Okay. Yes. Well, uh, depending on how old it is, um. You should be able to pull down your notification bar from the top, and you should see a little gear that will take you to settings. Okay. I can go to settings easily enough. Okay. And then, let's see, keyboards, stuff now. There's no telling. Uh, so you should be able to find a little uh, magnifying glass toward the top of your screen so you can search for things on your phone. Yes. All right. Type the word keyboard. Okay, <laughs> I don't have a keyboard uh, suggested, and like I say, I can't type in anything. Oh, that's right. Your keyboard won't come up. Okay, so scroll down. Looks like, do you have an option that says general management? No. Oh. Okay. I don't really know how to help you with your issue. You've got to get to the keyboards in your phone, which has got to be under general or uh, input. On my phone, it's under general management, and then there's a keyboard list. 
and I believe that you need to change your default keyboard to something else. Okay, general management. Okay, I'll search for that uh, link, see if I can't get in. Okay? And Frank, if yeah. it doesn't work, please give us a call back next week. You can also send us an email, everydaytech at uh, mpbonline.org. Of course, you can always uh, reach Jeremy. He's the computer, uh, Hattiesburg computer doctor as well. So we appreciate that. Now I'm going to try to hit the proper button to bring in Charles and Gaucher. Charles, are you there? Hey, Charles, are you there? Yes, I'm here. All right. My me? apologies before. I hit the wrong button and we didn't bring you in, but now we got you. Go go right ahead. What's going on? All right, I have two issues. Number one is that I want to download Windows 10. How do I know when I have it? Um. So if you want to download it directly from Microsoft, uh, you can get their media creation tool. You can Google that media creation tool and there'll be a, uh, a program you can download from Microsoft. And when you run it, it'll say, do you want to install this on the computer that you're on or do you want to install it to a USB drive? And you would say you want to install it on the computer that you're on. One moment, I'm kind of I'm sorry, could you repeat that? That was very muffled. I think Charles may be asking you to repeat yourself because he's trying to do what you were telling him to do at the time you were telling him to do it. Can you repeat that one oh. more time, Jeremy? Okay, so uh, if you go to Google. Okay, now, now I took my speaker off. Okay. So, so now I want to download it. I have a Windows 8 now, Windows 8.1, mm-hmm. but I want to go to uh, Windows 10. Yeah. So, so you how just do Google, I do that? You go to Google and you type Media Creation Tool. Okay, Creation Tool. Okay. Media creation tool. Yeah, okay. And then the top link should say uh, download Windows 10 disk image. Okay. All right. And then uh, the second link or the second blue box, it says download now under create Windows 10 installation media. Yes. You're going to download that tool and then run it once it downloads, and then say that you want to update the computer that you're on. Oh, I see. Okay. Good. And once you do that, it'll go through and it'll download any updates for Windows 10, and then it'll start installing it on your machine, and it'll reboot it a few times, and probably take a couple hours if you have a hard drive, which if you're on Windows 8.1, you probably do. Uh, so, yeah, just let it sit for a couple hours after it starts uh, doing the, uh, the installation, and then you should come back, and Windows 10 will be on there. Is there a fee for that? No. Uh, so your uh, your Windows 8.1, as long as it was a legitimate installation, has a registration key or an authentication key uh, connected to it. And when you install Windows 10, it will use that key to register your uh, operating system. Great. Now, Next if question. you had a computer that did not have a legitimate installation of Windows 8.1 on it, when you install Windows 10... Uh, you'll see a, a message in the bottom corner that says this uh, this Windows installation is not genuine. It doesn't really affect much. Um, you can't change yeah. your background, but otherwise, I mean, it, it, it doesn't really hurt anything if you run it and it's not genuine. But, I mean, it's possible. What a that, punishment. Yeah, right, right. <laughs> you can't change your background. Ha, ha, ha. What's the, what's the most way, know. what's the way we could be the most annoying but yet still let them use our product? Can't change your background. We're gonna, you're gonna have to use this like sunshine prism photo for forever. There's some other stuff, but I, I, I mean, it's 
it's nothing major. Cats it's, playing it's with nothing, yarn. It's not like they won't let you get on the internet if it's not genuine, <laughs> you know. It's it's pretty mild. But I, I'm not suggesting anyone do anything, you know, you should pay for your operating systems. Yeah. Uh, but your uh, your laptop should have a key already in it. So when you install Windows 10, it will, it'll, it'll authenticate that, and then you'll be full-fledged Windows. To your point, Charles, back in the day, ain't no free Windows. That's, that's the first thing I thought of when you're just like, oh, yes. man, let me just update this for free. Man, 18-year-old me on a Juarez site in 1996 is just like, yeah, anyway. All right, Charles, thank you so much for the call. I appreciate it. Uh, I think he said he had a second question. One more, oh, yeah, yeah, thanks. Go ahead. One more question. Uh, the question about you were talking about streaming. Now, I do have, uh, I would say, one, but it's too expensive, like $80 a month. Uh, but uh, is there a way to get a bundle uh, where you have three networks together or something like that? I, I think uh, that Hulu does absolutely kind of bundle with uh, Disney Plus and ESPN. I think it is. That's it. Hulu, yeah. Disney, and ESPN. That's one of them. There are several different ones, but yeah. You will see more of these uh, bundles come along until some of these streaming companies eat each other. That's coming. But if you're a sports fan specifically, that's that's, and I don't know if you are, but if you are a sports fan, that's one that that's gonna. Let's go scratch as many itches as you possibly can. Well, I'm really a movie. Aha. Uh-huh. Movie, movie fan. So, uh, and then sports when I need it, like the uh, playoffs and that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, but, then here's the thing. It's like um, there's no limit to you know what's out right now. But and I know this isn't necessarily like maybe you were like, what do you guys think is your favorite? But because you know the the rights to movies change from month to month and so you see a lot of good stuff roll off of each service every month and then rolls new stuff rolls on and so the the libraries for each of these streaming services kind of it's they're always an ongoing morphing list of things so to find out exactly what you or, or which one has the most of what you like there's an easy way to do it. Just Google, you know, what's new this month on streaming services, you know, or or also at the same time, you could you could search, you know, where can I stream two or three of the things like if you have four or five favorite movies, just search where you can stream them. And you you might get several different answers, including something as something as simple as as opposed to, you know, buying the streaming service that you like and paying seven dollars a month each month. You'll get the option to. You know, let's say your favorite movie is Cannonball Run. Just randomly, I'll pick one. Uh, then you can go to YouTube and buy Cannonball Run for forever for just $3. And then you've got one of your favorite movies. You can watch it wherever you want, whenever you want, as opposed to necessarily paying, let's say, $8, $12 a month for a service where you can watch it on that service if you want to. So lots of different options for you. And I, I will okay, uh, add that when you're looking up uh, like you're trying to find out what what program a streaming service has, like you know, it does does Hulu have Cannonball Run? Um, <laughs> take those websites with a grain of salt, because I have uh, unfortunately misled some clients that wanted to watch some movies, and I was like, oh yeah, it's on this one, and it was not. So that is um, true. Those- I, that, that's a good point. It, always make sure if you find an an, an article that tells you what's on. Right now, make sure you read the date on that article so you make sure that you're 
you're uh, up in the present. Charles, we appreciate the call. we got to move on just a little bit of time to go in this hour. We've got Jesse and Brandon, who is on the line, and Jesse's been uh, uh, patient with us. Jesse, uh, good morning. What's going on? Um, yeah, good morning. Uh, I am going to start building a new gaming uh, desktop, Ooh, and I'm yeah. trying to decide between two different processors. Mm-hmm. Right now with the current series, which would you go with, the AMDs or the Intel iCores? They're pretty closely matched, um, just to be straight up with you. Um, I mostly build with AMD because it does tend to be a little bit cheaper, Team Red. Um, I uh, I don't have any problem with Intel at all, but their, their processors do tend to be a little bit higher priced. So it, it just depends on your budget. You can um, you can always Google one processor versus another. Like say you wanted you know Ryzen seven fifty eight hundred X versus Intel uh, i seven twelve seven hundred F, and you can actually see benchmarks on those two processors. Uh, User Benchmark is a site that I use a lot because it gives you like real world results from other people's PCs. Um, so if you were to put those two PCs head-to-head, it says that the uh, the i7-12700F has 11% effective more speed. So it's a little bit better, but it's not like it's just going to blow you out of the water. Now, those two processors, that I was comparing a 12-core to an 8-core, so that's not a great comparison. However, um, any, any processors that you want to put head to head, you just put verses between them on Google and it'll tell you just exactly how they, how they add up against one another. All right. Well, that's what I need to know. I sure do appreciate it. (laughs) All right, Jesse, is there, is uh, there Intel versus, um, AMD? Is there one that one does better or things that uh, one does better versus the other? I know both have kind of said, you know, if, if you want to go this direction, you know, that's the way to go. If you want to go in this direction, this is the way to go. But I never remember what really differentiates one versus the other. I'm going to tick somebody off when I say this. And I'm just kind of grinning about it already. <laughs> Intel's get hotter. Uh-huh. <laughs> okay. Intel's get hotter. They also uh, tend to have uh, higher wattage uh, thermal uh, performance uh, TDP. That is a uh, – you just like left me. Wattage. You left me at the curb. wattage – it's how much wattage the processor uses, and AMD's TDP tends to be lower than Intel's, which is better when you're building a rig with a smaller power supply or power is a huge concern for you when you're building your rig. Okay. Okay. Very interesting. Very interesting. So when he said he's he's building uh, a gaming PC, you got excited. I got excited too. Have you, uh, oh, yeah. Is that – what's the percentage of what you do that's – you know, helping folks with gaming rigs and stuff like that. Generally, I build one, at least one a month for uh, one lucky individual, usually in this state. And um, it's it's my favorite thing to do because I get to pick every part and make sure that it's the best quality stuff that uh, the client's budget allows. It's your passion job. I get to put it together and make it like more awesome than anything you could go and buy off of a store shelf. Because see, there are custom rigs out there like Cyber Power PC and all that. They do not optimize that hardware at all. They literally just plug it in and send it out the door. Okay, so if I, I bought if I bought a quote unquote gaming rig from let's say a, a big box store, 
you could take that and tune it up. Yes, because they do not. Hmm. They don't. Uh, it, I mean, other than just like plugging them in and making sure they don't die or catch on fire. Um, I don't think they do much with them. But when I build a rig, I make sure that all the parts are absolutely 100% compatible. And then I turn up all the settings on everything. I don't overclock yeah. everything, but a lot of times right out of the box, those uh, stock settings are not ideal. Uh, your RAM is usually not timed or uh, the voltages aren't set properly. Hmm. And then uh, most importantly, if it's a gaming rig, your graphics card has a terrible thermal management system out of the box. So I recommend MSI Afterburner because you can go in there and you can adjust an, a custom fan curve. So like whenever I get a rig on my bench, I say whenever the C, or whenever the GPU temperature hits 70C, I want the fan on that GPU to hit 100% so that it will do everything it can to keep that temperature under 70C. Now, that doesn't necessarily mean it's not going to run over. They tend to run somewhere between 76, 79. But that if they don't go over 80, I, you know, generally 80 is where I start to, you know, get concerned that there's not enough thermal management in the case. Yeah. But, a but lot you of know where the benchmarks are that can set it from getting in a dangerous area. Uh, well, I mean, I know uh, that these days hot is the new cool. There you go. So hot I made the... a joke about Intel getting hot, but they're all getting hot these days. Hot is the thing. All right. As we go today, Twitter Elon Musk's Twitter has done a good thing for us. Somebody with a fake but Twitter blue verified account back in November said Eli Lilly was going to start giving away insulin for free. Well, ultimately, that's pushed Eli Lilly to now mark insulin down 70% from what it previously was. And you could get it really starting at about $35 now, which is way, way different than it used to be before. So maybe that was a good thing that came about from Twitter blue. That's going to do it for us today. Right. Thanks so much for calling and listening. Stay tuned. Coming up next is Southern Remedy with Dr. Jimmy Stewart. This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. To hear previous shows, visit mpbonline.org or download the MPB Public Radio app to listen on your iPhone or Android phone on demand.